Extraordinary Districts, a podcast series from the Education Trust that investigates what ordinary school districts do to get extraordinary results. Today, where do you start? Hi, I'm Karen Chenoweth from the Education Trust. We believe all students can achieve at high levels no matter what their background, so we're visiting school districts where that's happening. To listen to our previous episode or find links to the research and reports we are drawing on, go to www.edtrust.org slash districts. This is part two of a three-part episode about Lexington, Massachusetts, where the public schools sit at the very top of the country in terms of academic achievement. In part one, we saw that over a period of about eight years, Lexington closed the proficiency gap between its white and Asian students on the one hand and its African-American and Hispanic students on the other, thus propelling the district into the nation's academic stratosphere. To quickly recap, Lexington receives about 250 of its 6,700 students from Boston as part of a long-running desegregation program known as METCO. In 2006, then-Superintendent Paul Ash was shocked to learn that 49% of the METCO students were identified as needing special education services, three times the normal rate. When he looked into the question further, he saw that the METCO students had much lower achievement than the resident Lexington population. He asked the retiring union president, Vito Lamora, to produce a report that laid out the problem of achievement gaps. That report is known in Lexington as the Lamora Report. In part three, we're going to learn how Lexington closed its achievement gaps, but first you need to know more about what happened in the wake of the Lamora report. To say it got messy is an understatement. Let's hear first about what Superintendent Ash did with Lamora's findings. On the first day of school, when all of the teachers for the district are in the auditorium, and he puts up this data and says, hey, there's a problem here, and we're going to address it, and I'm committing us as a district to addressing this. That's William Cole. He's a social studies teacher at Lexington High School who, back then, was one of the deans of the high school. He had a special interest in what Ash said that first day of school. A couple of years earlier, Cole had started looking at the data for the METCO students and had documented some disturbing achievement gaps between Lexington's mostly white and Asian resident students and the mostly African-American and Hispanic students who came in from Boston. Vito Lamora's report drew in part on Cole's data, so Cole wasn't surprised by most of what Ash had to say that day, but even he was startled by some of the data Lamora had uncovered. So the overall fact that um, students of color were not thriving uh, in a general way here didn't surprise me and didn't surprise anyone. Some of the things that Vito's report pointed out, like the incredibly high rate of referrals to special ed in first grade, second grade, third grade for the students of color and for the METCO population in particular, but students of color, uh, African-American students, that was hard to see and to reconcile and not be sort of at least curious about. The current principal of Lexington High School, Laura Lassa, was then one of Cole's fellow deans. This is what she said about Ash's presentation that day. I think what was powerful about that moment, and it's true for a lot of things in school systems, is we rarely present really concrete data to the educators. We talk about it at the the leadership or the administrative level, but we don't often put it in print for 
the people who are on the ground working with the kids. And so I think when people saw it live, um, it wasn't theory, it wasn't those kids, it wasn't some kids, it was compared to other students, we have a population um, that is overrepresented in special education and needs our help. That was what I think really resonated, resonated with folks and that the idea that in some cases that might have been the right thing to do, but did we tease out whether or not it's an actual disability or it was a response to perceived behaviors or other factors other than the child actually had a disability and needed special education services. As the district studied the question, what came out was when kindergarten, first grade, and second grade teachers had difficulties teaching a child how to read, they had few resources to draw on. Special education teachers were the only extra services available, so teachers would refer students who were having difficulties to special ed, kind of like if all you have is a hammer, every problem is a nail. The real problem was that those services never ended. In other words, special ed services should have helped students solve the specific issues they had in accessing the curriculum. Instead, special ed in Lexington became a backwater for students, keeping them isolated from the curriculum. But before the Lamora report, no one had put all the numbers together to see that pattern. I asked social studies teacher Bill Cole what the reaction of teachers was to Ash's presentation. Uh, you know, I think pe there were people who walked out of the auditorium that day saying, you know, a variety of things. There were probably some people who said, you know, that's ridiculous, that's an absolutely tiny segment of our population. How can you make broad sweeping judgments about it? There were probably people saying, uh, we can't have every child thrive, every child can't be incredibly high achieving. Um, and there were probably people walking out, certainly, there were people walking out also saying, yeah, it's about time, I've been seeing this, I've been wondering about this, this really bothers me, I really wanna do this work. Um, so there's, and everything in between. But those weren't the only reactions to the report. Parents of Metco students were very uncomfortable. Here is LaDawn DeBose, an African-American parent whose children were traveling to Lexington as part of the Metco program. It was all numbers, and, you know, I'm a finance person. I work with numbers, stats, metrics all the time, and I know what the outcome can be. The numbers don't look the way folks expect them to look. <laughs> DeBose worried the Lamora report could be used as a pretext to simply end Lexington's participation in METCO. Initially, you didn't hear about the kids of color in Lexington who lived here, so it, it felt like us against them. And if the us, the we, are bringing the numbers down, then what does that mean for us? Is it just remove us and the numbers go up? Superintendent Ash was bringing a lot of passion to the idea that Lexington schools should better serve its students of color, but that passion wasn't coming through to the parents of the students he was most concerned about. William Cole describes what happened next. What Dr. Ash and the school committee essentially committed to was forming a committee that would look at this problem, look at the data, take Vito Lamora's report with its recommendations, study those and really turn them into programs over the course of uh, two years. So I was uh, asked to be on that committee and it was a really big committee. I mean, I remember the first time I met, there were two dozen or 30 people in a room together. Um, Most people say that's too big a committee. Yeah, I mean, I it was, so, so the, the list of possible things to do that came out of that first you know, six months or, or almost a year of meetings was daunting. I mean, we were, it was like a 40-point program that we were going to implement. 
The list of possible programs that the Achievement Gap Committee proposed included intervention programs, tutoring programs, mentoring programs, all-day kindergarten, all kinds of things. Parent LaDawn DeBose, who was on the committee, remembers her reaction to some of those items. As far as I was concerned, like you know, you said earlier, isn't that already happening? Why isn't that being done? Why didn't anybody look at this? You didn't see that number was high? You know, why did it take this for anything to happen? DuBose and other parents I talked with were really surprised that Lexington hadn't had a system for looking at results and acting on the data up until then. They had thought they were sending their kids to a really high-quality school system, which to them implied that educators were continually looking at their results and providing extra help when necessary. It was hard for them to grasp how willy-nilly things now seemed. And then Paul Ash unsettled the Metco parents even further by firing the beloved Metco director, who had built strong relationships with many of the students and parents. Here's DuBose. So the now what part of it was, you know, the unnerving part, I think, to all of us. And with our director, you know, that everybody loved getting the ax, you know, at the same time, you really didn't know what was going on. And I think for me, being a part of the committee and, you know, hearing some of the conversations and things that were going on, you know, I probably had a different perspective on that part of it. But again, how can the program run without a director? You know, it just felt really, it was a really scary time. Two changes helped turn things around for DuBose. We were in a um, meeting, I think it was springtime, or right before springtime, and there was, I don't know, I think it was like $15,000 that was um, allocated for this um, initiative. And Dr. Ash said, you know, we have this money. What do, what do you want to do? And no one said anything. And I'm like, well, okay, no one said anything. I know what I want. You know, I want something to be done during Thursday afternoons in elementary. I want something for them to do on the bus. You know, and that's, you know, came the playaways. She was talking about two specific things. Lexington's elementary schools closed early on Thursday afternoons for teachers to plan lessons, and she wanted some kind of program for the Boston kids to participate in during that time. And the playaways she was talking about were recorded books that the Boston kids could listen to on those long, dark bus trips to and from the city. When Ash agreed to those suggestions, that gave her confidence that he really intended to help the Metco students. And for me, that was, you know, pretty much a turning point. You know, anytime someone puts money down on, on an idea, you know, then you, to, for me, they're serious. The other thing that gave DeBose confidence was that Superintendent Ash hired a new METCO director. This was someone who was well-known to the parents because she had been working as a social worker for the METCO program at one of Lexington's elementary schools. My name is Barbara Hamilton. I am the K-12 academic METCO director for the Lexington Public School System. Um, one of my goals when I became director, and I said this to Dr. Ash and the committee, METCO has got to become a real part of the fabric of the Lexington Public School System. If that's what you're committed to, I'm your girl. If it's not, I can continue to do what I do and focus on my ba calling my babies, because um, I was working with elementary. I asked Hamilton how METCO operated before she was hired as director. In terms of the METCO program, we really supported our children um, socially and emotionally. 
Um, we help them make the adjustment to um, living in one culture, coming to another. I'm, I'm just right now talking about urban versus suburban. That's a totally different culture. Then when you add in race and ethnicity and language. So that was primarily what the role of the MECO program was to not just help our students, but in many levels try to help um, the teachers that were working with these students. But Ash wanted a different focus. Dr. Ash's mandate was, I want focus on the academic. And I think when I became director, we found that balance because I think I brought a perspective to they're both important, equally important, and they both impact one another. I asked Hamilton what she thought about Paul Ash's characterization about what had occurred in Lexington as institutional racism, but with no ill intent. I think what Dr. Ash meant by with no ill intent intended, we always believe positive intent, but you don't know what you don't know. So people didn't understand how their own biases impacted their practice, biases about some having the belief that all MECO students came from, you know, low, the lower socioeconomic end of the continuum, that because they were on a long bus ride, it negatively impacted them, those kinds of things. And so did everyone have the right expectations? No, I don't believe that. But what Vito's research showed was that um, even students who came in at the right level where they should be academically in terms of readiness for reading, because we're talking about kindergartners and first graders, um, that as they matriculated, the gap got wider. And so you have to say, wait a minute, we're giving them this quality education. What this program is about, um, educational opportunity, what's happening? Why is the gap getting larger? That's where institutional racism played in. That's where some of the other things that I believe contribute to the um, achievement gap that didn't just exist in Lexington, but throughout our country. The data prompted some difficult conversations at the elementary schools. Here's Mary Anton Oldenburg, principal of Bowman Elementary. At that time, Bowman was both the most diverse of the district's elementary schools and the lowest performing of them. It was the school that many people said not to go to. Oldenburg was an experienced principal when Ash hired her to lead Bowman Elementary, and what she found was a staff that cared deeply about their students. We uh, laughingly call it the, oh, poor baby syndrome. You know, oh, poor baby, their life is so hard. They've got so many things going on. Oh, poor baby, you know. We don't need any oh, poor babies here because what we need to do is figure out how do we help them get to that next piece. Because oh, poor baby doesn't help anybody. That was part of our shift. And to do that, we had to do some real faculty pieces around what's in your control and what's not in your control. Because a lot of times when you're looking at where kids are underperforming, we get stuck in what's not in our control. And that gives rise to the oh, poor baby. I mean, there are so many things for, for our children who struggle and for our children who come from a range of different backgrounds that don't have the resources that we can get stuck in the oh, poor baby. And so we, we actually spent a faculty meeting listing out all of the things under control. We, after we had assessed who were our lowest performers, 
all the things we worried about, you know, everything we worried about, and then we sorted them, what's in our control, what's not in our control. And then we took the paper that was not in our control and said, we're not even going to think about that anymore. It's, it's not in our control. We're going to put our energy in where we can actually do something. Lexington's educators began facing up to the difficult truth that its African-American and Hispanic students were not expected to achieve at high levels. But now I'm going to complicate the picture a little because I haven't talked about the fact that Lexington is in many ways an ordinary school district and thus was subject to all the pushes and pulls in the education world. This was accentuated by the fact that when Paul Ash arrived, there had been five superintendents in seven years, each of whom had introduced his own vision of what the district should do. I want to introduce another person who was key to Lexington's story, Carol Polarski, who was assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction for Lexington. When Ash arrived, she was the only central office staff member who stayed. She had worked in Lexington as a teacher, a department head, an assistant principal, and a principal before she became assistant superintendent. Prior to Paul Ash's arrival, she said, There came a time in Lexington's history where we had revolving doors for superintendents. Those several superintendents felt like they were running on parallel tracks and that they never coincided. Some of them had to do with, let's just say, differentiated instruction. You know, yeah, of course we want differentiated instruction. Yeah, now you want a data-driven school district. Yeah, standards-based instruction, yeah. We're going to hear more from Ms. Polarski in our next installment, but when Superintendent Ash arrived, she figured he'd continue this endless round of picking up on educational fashions. No one, including Ash, knew he would be superintendent for 10 years. He had thought he would only be there two or three years and that he had to act quickly. And his vision had to do with collaboration. Here's how he put it. It may not seem like a big deal today, but back in 2005, it was a very big deal. Um, in my opening day address, I said to the teachers, I said, I, I need to share with you that I'm deeply committed to collaboration. And we need to move from the world of isolation to collaboration. And so I'm going to be asking you to change your practices and explain why collaboration was more important. And I said, when I did my entry plan, this is what people told me about you. And they're all leaning forward. And I said, you're a group of thoroughbreds running in different directions. And they laughed, but it also hurt. And my honeymoon was over in six months because I asked them to now do things in collaborative ways they hadn't done before. Not only did Ash tell teachers to collaborate, but he wanted them to collaborate in a specific way. They had to collaborate and work on what we called at the time action research projects, where they had to work together to solve some problem. I didn't think it was that big a deal. A group of teachers come together, they identify a problem that they want to get better at, they do some things, then they reflect on it, and then they have to share the results at the end of the year with their teachers at a sort of a science fair for adults. The panic was just astounding to me. And this was an idea from Doug Reeves, uh, who's a very well-known author and researcher. I said, wow. They, first of all, they couldn't come up with a question. They didn't know how to develop a hypothesis. They didn't know how to develop an experiment. To me, it was sort of like basic. That was my first inkling that teachers didn't understand how to collect data. What, what's good data? How do you collect the data? How do you come up with a hypothesis, an experiment? And then the idea of working with other people meant you're taking time away from my developing my lesson plans or correcting papers or all the other things. And then the idea you would share your knowledge with other teachers, it was, it was totally against the culture. Here's someone who remembers the sense of disorientation Ash had induced that first year. Um, my name is Anna Monaco, and I am the principal of the Jonas Clark Middle School in Lexington. 
Back then, Ms. Monaco was a special education teacher at the middle school. I think Doug Reeves had come to talk to the staff, and people were like, what? Why are we doing this? What is this? What action research? Like, it didn't make any sense, and I actually experienced that. So I will tell you, I had no idea what was happening. I'm like, why do we have to do this? We have to talk, we have to research something and talk to people about it. I mean, it's just like, looking back, it's embarrassing. It's actually embarrassing that we didn't connect the dots, you know? But I, I can say for myself, I did not get it at all. This was before Ash had discovered the data on METCO. This was just the normal kind of flow of a superintendency where the superintendent has a great idea and tells everyone to do it and causes enormous unease and distrust. So when the Achievement Gap Task Force Action Report came out, it was on top of the sense of unsettledness. And now I'm going to add in just one more element that principals, superintendents, and school board members out there will recognize as an issue they face every day. Again. Paul Ash. Because this was the challenge that I knew I was going to get in Lexington. If I took the resources from uh, kids who were doing well and put it for the kids who were struggling, I could end up with a fight between the haves and have-nots, and they're not from Lexington. And, you know, the people like that are saying, you know, well, they shouldn't take the resources away from my kids. So Ash was facing quite a lot of pressure, and when he started focusing on what it would take to close the achievement gaps in the district, he was told point blank that he was headed for failure if he focused on raising the achievement of the African-American and Hispanic students who were bussed in from Boston. One of my central office administrators said to me at the very beginning, he said, you know you will not succeed. And this is a person who I highly, highly, highly respect as an educator. And she said, because you're not going to get enough urgency to solve this problem because the scores are high enough and to solve the problem means you're going to have to disrupt the entire organization and tell people they're not good enough, they need to change, they need to work with people, we need to put new programs in place. You will get such pushback. That is, in fact, what happened. Many teachers didn't understand how changing the way they were working would help students who weren't doing well. They were already working as hard as they knew how to do and couldn't see how working together would change anything. Initiative fatigue set in, morale dropped, and the district's union sent Ash a letter saying that the teachers couldn't take much more of this. In our next segment, we'll see how all this got resolved. Please be sure to join us. In the meantime, go to www.edtrust.org slash extraordinary districts and check out all the resources we have. I'm Karen Chenoweth with the Education Trust. See you next time.